All right, good morning. How are you? That was really good. That was the best thing I've ever heard. That was great. Um, hey, that was cool, Jake. Thank you for uh, that bit of encouragement. That's an encouraging piece of news, right? Um, some of you all have been here with us for a while and have seen that progression. And um, we were actually supposed to have a four-year plan is what that looked like. So it was supposed to be, I was on external support for four years, and we're only two years in as a church. And so we cut that in half, I guess, the time that we were going to uh, plan to do that. So God's just been really faithful, really blessed in the church. That's been really encouraging. I I always send up the elder to do my dirty work of finance talk, all right, in case you haven't noticed that, but um, that's really cool. The other cool thing, in case uh, some of you may not have known, is Joey, who is leading us in worship today, uh, we got to bring him on staff last week as well. Um, and so that's a huge blessing, um, as many of you know. And so um, when I say on staff, uh, he is going to be making in a year what most of you probably make in a month, all right? Um, and so uh, barely on staff, but working toward that and hoping that God continues to provide uh, for the well as he did with my own salary with his and uh, hopefully full time in the long run. And so um, we're just really encouraged um, in what God is doing and the different things going on at the well. And so um, thank you. Within By this rate, we'll plant seven churches in the next two years, right? That's where we're going, okay? Um, that was a little bit of a joke, but <laughs> um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, we will be in John chapter eight today. We'll be there for most of the day. Uh, we're going to leave it just for a quick second to look at another text, but John chapter chapter 8, um, you can pretty much rest there. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some under every second and third chair somewhere around you, okay? Uh, please feel free to grab that um, and take and keep that. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we want you to use that uh, as your Bible. So bring it home. That's your Bible. Um, we want you to have that. Make sure you have the Word of God. You can also follow along on your smartphone, okay? So if you have a, a smartphone, you have the version app. Underneath the live tabs, go um, check into that and type in the Well Austin, and you'll be able to follow along that way. Uh, so there's notes, scripture, stuff like that. If you don't have the YouVersion app or it's confusing to try to find it, you can take this link, which is also in your bulletin, type it right into your browser and you'll be able to follow along that way. There's poll questions. Um, you can even give on there. Pretty much everything you can do on your phone. So if you want to use that, that would be great. All right. Um, so I'm going to be f uh, up front. Um, I had a very difficult time with this sermon this week. Okay. If I'm going to be honest with you, um, it was very, very hard to figure out what God really wanted to present to us. I actually wrote a whole sermon and then I threw it away after I was done because I felt like that's not where God wanted us to go as a church. If you've ever written a sermon, you know how frustrating that is because it takes a while to do that. Um, so I started rewriting again and I still felt very uncomfortable because I wasn't sure if that's where the Lord was leading us for this morning. So that's always a good way to start a sermon, right? You know, know what's going on, and I don't even know what God's trying to do through this text, but um, really trying to pray and really seek the Lord, and um, I feel like he gave us something today, and so I hope it's encouraging, um, and I hope that uh, God really uh, moves us to fall more in love with the person and work of Jesus through all of this. And so um, I'm going to tackle this a little bit differently because of that than I normally do. Uh, what we normally do is we'll usually read a few verses, and then we'll stop, and we'll kind of explain, we'll draw forth principle or theology or application or something like that. And and then we'll keep moving on, right? Sometimes we even like cover like two words and then we'll stop and spend like 30 minutes on those two words, right? That was partly a joke. One person laughed, okay? Some of you are like, that was not a joke. That's what you do. <laughs> um, but today, what I actually want to do is I want to actually read the text as a whole. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time reading for a while. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take the theme of the text and sort of interweave it in and out of the text as a whole, okay? If that doesn't make sense, you'll check when we start going along with that. But um, So let's go ahead and jump right in. Let's read this section together. So John chapter 8, put on your reading glasses. We'll be here for a minute. We're going to start in verse 12. We're going to end in verse 30. 
John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in dark, darkness, but will have the light of life. So this is the main theme throughout this section, okay? So this is the verse that we're going to be spending the most time on and kind of interweaving it in and out of this, of this passage as a whole, because this is Jesus's kind of main theme as he's talking to the Pharisees here. All right, keep reading, 13. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would also, or you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said to him, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just as I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father has taught me. And he who sent me is always or is with me. He has never left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And or as he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. So Jesus is actually still standing here at the Feast of Booths, okay? So uh, if you remember the Feast of Tabernacles, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about where Jesus was at, and he was at this feast that the Jews would celebrate. And so in case you weren't here or to actually just kind of catch you up on what was going on, Jesus was uh, speaking in the temple, and all of these Jews, they would come uh, into uh, Jerusalem, and they would worship at the Feast of Booths, okay? If you're actually reading uh, the Bible in a year plan with us uh, as a church, This is actually right about the section that you're going to enter into even this week, okay? Because what it represented was the time that God led Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness on the Exodus path, right? And uh, what what was going on there was that the priests would do two different things that would sort of highlight this uh, celebration or this, uh, this, this festival. One of them that they would do is they would go take water and they would pour it out. And as they were pouring out the water, they would be representing when they were thirsty and a dry and in a, a deserted land. They needed water to drink and they were almost dying from their uh, thirst. God came through uh, in the rock and Moses struck the rock and it burst forth water and it provided water for over a million Jews. I mean, think about that for a minute because you may know that story, but we often lose track of how much water was actually provided from this rock right? A couple of weeks ago, Jesus said, I am that living water that wants to burst out of you streams of life. 
And so he kind of hijacked that celebration and said, hey, actually that water in the wilderness that was satisfying you, that was actually supposed to point to me. Jesus says, I am the true water. I am what satisfies you. Okay. The second thing that they would do is the priest would go and they would light these uh, uh, candles and it would uh, represent how God went before them in the wilderness. And uh, it says that he was a pillar of cloud uh, by the day to protect them from the Egyptian site and also the sun that would uh, so easily burn them. And he was a pillar of fire at night so that they could see where they were going and navigate through the dark desert. Right, And so they would represent these two different things. And by the way, when I say candle, don't think about like a little two inch like scented candle. Okay, like, you know, the ones that you have. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like a huge torch is probably what they had. Like think like Game of Thrones torch or something. All right. I don't even watch Game of Thrones. So I don't know if they have torches or not, but I'm assuming that they do. That just seems like a show where they would have that. But think of whatever a a, a great war scene torch is. This is what they would light. And it'd be this massive light that would kind of show how God uh, provided for them through the wilderness, all right? And so Jesus here is saying, hey, listen, this is actually pointing to me as well. And so you can see already where Jesus is going to go with this text because verse 12, Jesus sort of hijacks their celebration again and begins to point that he is the light of the world, okay? And so um, if you look at that again there in verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So when you're reading that, if you're going to be reading that this week, which if you're in the Bible plan, you will be, remember that Jesus says, hey, you're not going to walk in darkness. I am the light of life. And so he says, hey, everyone, you know that light that you saw, you know that light that you are remembering how God provided you that through the desert. I am actually the light of the world. And notice that there are two things there that he's saying, okay? The first one is he is saying he is the light of the world, not a light of the world. Okay, do you notice that? He says, I am the light of the world. A light would mean that there are other things that could give us light, right? There are other things that would be able to satisfy or to show us what it means to walk through the darkness. Jesus uh, is not one amongst many though, but the, he is the only one that is able to provide light into the darkness that we are searching through. Secondly, notice that Jesus said that he is the light of the world. The world, right? Not just the Jews, Okay, not just the good people who show up to church every Sunday and who look the part and play the part, right? Not blacks or whites only, not rich or poor only, but the world, everybody, right? Jesus says, I am the light for the whole entire world. On top of this, he actually accentuates that by saying, whoever would come to me. You see out there, he says, I am the light of the whole world, whoever would come to me. And so he is for everyone and anyone can actually come into Jesus. Anybody can enter into that relationship. It doesn't matter your background. You can come to know who Jesus is. He is the light for or of the world. So Jesus is alluding to the story in the Old Testament in which God provided a safe way out of slavery into the promised land. And if you're following the New Testament themes, you'll begin to see out of the slavery of sin into the promised land of heaven. Jesus says, I am that. When you look in the Old Testament, this should actually be pointing to me. This should be a reminder of that what I am about to do, provide light for the whole world to be able to see. And so what can we conclude from this thought? Well, there's actually several things we can conclude. All right. But the first one is you need Jesus in order to see in the desert at night. 
right? You need Jesus in order to see in the desert at night. A few weeks ago when we did John 7, uh, we were, uh, I was laughing because I kept making all these sports analogies. It was the week before the Super Bowl and it was really easy to make sports analogies. And I offended like half of my artists, all right? I actually got a couple of emails with them joking with me, all right? This is gonna be a little bit more artistic of Jesus. He's gonna try to hit on the imagination or hit on the imagery really strongly throughout this text. So if you're more artistically bent, this is a great sermon, okay? So I don't know if I'll be able to do it well because I'm not artistically bent, but Jesus is trying to draw forth all these analogies, right? And so he doesn't want you just to read this as a point blank theology, you know, A plus B equals C, but really begin to imagine with him, right? I am the light of the world that guides you through the desert paths. Is the world a desert path? Is the world hot and dry? Yes, we know that. And so Jesus states that you need him in order to get through this world into the promised land. Have any of you ever been in like a pitch black room or like a pitch black cave even better? Yeah, a couple people, three, four, five, six, seven, all right. Yeah, it's like scary, right? <laughs> like the smallest ray of light is so helpful during that time. Every morning, for some reason in my room, it's like pitch black almost uh, all the time. It could be like 4 p.m. and it will still be pitch black in my room for some reason. And so in the middle of the night, it's very, 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 very dark, okay? And so I take my phone out and just a little ray of light that shines from my screen, it like provides safety for me. <laughs> right? That's what you saying. I am the light of the world, particularly now that I have a one and a half year old daughter who decides to leave bombs around the room, aka toys, right? It's very easy for me to break my ankle. And so in order not to break my ankle and cuss my daughter out in my head, I use the light to see where I'm going, right? And so Jesus says in the same way, right? He is the light of the world, okay? The smallest bit of light helps us begin to see clearly. And Jesus says he is that light that will show forth our path through the darkness. Now, uh, uh, not just to make good decisions, not just to be blessed or to be a better person. That's not what he's saying here. I am the light to make you a better person. That's not what this text reads, right? But he actually says to experience eternal life itself. See at the end of verse 12, I am the light of life, he says there at the end. And so uh, uh, Jesus says that life will begin to light up with him. Right? Like if you want to experience life, if you actually want to know life, then Jesus is the one who will be able to do that for you. Life will begin to, to, to show forth itself in Christ. Right? Jesus is the light of life. Notice too in verses 21 through, uh, let's see, 24 there, Jesus says that without him, people would die in their sin. Right? Do you see that there? And so notice that Jesus is being very straightforward with the Pharisees, right? They're sitting here with the Jews. They're, they're trying to debate with Jesus. They're trying to argue with him. And Jesus says that unless they believed in him, they would die in their sin. But they completely missed the point, right? Because they said, well, what is he going to do? Is, is, is he going to kill himself? Because where we're going or where he's going, we can't come. And so they once again miss the spiritual truth for the physical truth. I wish I counted how many times that happened in John. I didn't realize that till the sermon series. But so many times in John, Jesus is speaking a spiritual truth and the people around him miss it because they're so focused on the physical. You and I do the exact same thing with Christ so frequently. Jesus is trying to speak to us in a spiritual manner and we completely miss the point for the here and now, the physical right? Like if our here and now isn't blessed, isn't it really easy to go back and kind of uh, think negatively about our God just because the here and now is missing, right? 
It's so easy to miss the spiritual, to miss the eternal, to miss what's actually important and focus on the physical. And so the Pharisees once again did that as is so prone for us to do. This must be at least the 10th time that happened. But they glazed right over this sentence and said, what's going on with Jesus? Is he going to commit suicide? Is what he says. Jesus does not let this escape, however. He doesn't start to explain the theology of suicide. He doesn't, you know, get off track, but he tries to draw them back to the main point and he tries to restate the same sentence again, trying to help them understand what he's telling them, that they would die in their sins if they rejected and did not know Christ as Savior, did not know him as Lord. Of course, Christ would not commit suicide, but by rejecting the Son, what they would be doing is committing a spiritual suicide. And he tells them that. He says, I am from above, you are from below. And he's drawing this interesting analogy, because when you die, you go below right? Jesus actually uses a word there that can represent death. And so he's drawing this really interesting parallel saying that, hey, without me, you do die. I'm not going to commit suicide. Matter of fact, I'll be living forever. Jesus says, right? I'm from above and I will go back up above, but without me, you will actually die. You're committing a spiritual suicide. They have the life of, of, of light shining right in front of them and they're rejecting and they're completely missing the point. And so Jesus isn't just saying that he is coming so that we can have a better life, right? He's saying that he comes to give light so that we can have eternal life, so that we can have life everlasting, so that we can have true life, so we can enter into heaven or into the greater promised land, right? Um, there's a great story uh, of some prisoners um, and uh, that were in uh, uh, China. And so don't think like uh, American prison where it's like kind of lush sometimes and you're like, these guys are getting more education than I'm getting, <laughs> right? Like not like that, but actually kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and one of these prisoners was born inside of the prison camp. And then the next guy was born inside. And in the matter of time, most of the prisoners that were inside the prison had never seen the outside world. Well, the prison was really dark and, 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 and grungy kind of. And so there were only a few colors that they had recognized, black, white, brown, and gray, right? Besides that, there weren't many other colors that they were seeing. They didn't have TVs. They didn't have uh, media or pamphlets coming in. And so they just saw these few colors because they were born criminals, they said, well, somebody finally came in from the outside world and they began to try to explain to them color. So they started trying to explain to them greens and yellows and blues and reds and burnt orange and different things like that, right? And as they were trying to explain to them, the prisoners had no clue what they were talking about. And a lot of them said, that's not true. <laughs> what, like, what do, you, what do you mean? They had never seen light. So how could they even understand what this outside prisoner was talking about when he said the sky is blue or the grass is green or the, or the oceans are blue or whatever it may be? They had no conceptual concept of that form of color. Jesus says, I am from above and you are of below and I came to try to show you light, right? I came to try to release you from this prison that we call world and enter into eternal life, enter into heaven, things that you couldn't even imagine seeing. Jesus is trying to explain to us what heaven is like and we've never seen it. We're like the prisoners that have never seen blue or green. How in the world do we understand it unless we begin to trust that what Jesus is is true? He's actually speaking to us in a true matter because he himself was there. He's not speaking out of theory or out of he himself was there. He's God. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to come and shine light into your heart, shine light and give you life. And you're rejecting me. 
much like those prisoners could so easily reject the person just because they've never seen it before, right? And so Jesus here is very similar to that. In verses 13 through 20, there are that huge section. The Pharisees are arguing about whose witness Jesus is. And we've already gone through the sermon twice, so I'm not going to preach that again, right? But he keeps saying, your witness isn't true. Your witness isn't valid. And he keeps trying to say that. And Jesus has already told them multiple times that it is, okay? But he keeps telling them this time that he's from above. He keeps saying that I'm from above. I'm from above, right? He wants them to know that there is an outside world and what it is like, and he knows what it's like. And so he keeps trying to get them to follow and to see and to believe even in that outside world. Jesus comes to offer light into our souls. Jesus comes to offer light into our souls. How is it that you bring light into your spiritual man? How is it that you light that up? It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus, right? Jesus is the light that, look at the text, brings life. Jesus is the light that brings life, okay? If we're concerned with light in our physical nature, if we don't want to trip over stuff in the dark, how much more should we be concerned with light in our, or our spiritual nature? If we're concerned with it in the physical, right? Like if this room just went pitch black, all of us will start freaking out, okay? Even though you would hope that in the midst of a bunch of church people that nothing crazy would happen, you'd still start to feel it, right? If we're that concerned with the physical, how much more should we be with the spiritual, the thing that lasts forever, right? We go to great lengths to make sure that we have light here. Shouldn't we do that same thing for our souls? Shouldn't we do that same thing for our souls? Jesus says, I am that light. I'm the one that can shine light into your souls. How many of you are from the Midwest or the Northeast? Look at that. About half the room came down to evangelize these Texas pagans, right? That's what, that's what I've always heard, okay? Just kidding. I just lost half my Texas friends, all right? <laughs> um, but so many of you, uh, if you grew up there, you remember the like blackout of like 2002 or something like that. I see some head shaking. You remember that? We're from like Maine down to like, like Indiana and all throughout Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, all of the Midwest and Eastern states completely blacked out. Like there was some glitch or something. I don't even really remember what happened, but everything was blacked out. You could not see anything at night because there were literally no lights around unless you had a battery run generator, okay? And so it was crazy because I grew up in Detroit, if you remember. And so like these like ghetto dudes like got like really uh, 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 Boy Scout-ish real quick, okay? I remember walking outside and one dude was like lighting a fire with some sticks. And I was like, how do you know how to do that, man? You got to survive, bro, right? Trying to do anything, okay, to see a light. And so I remember it was kind of a scary time, okay, because dudes were robbing stores left and right. Like every store around me got robbed. Now, part of that is because I'm from Detroit, okay, I will admit that. But uh, I don't think it's just that. Light governs, right? Like doesn't light naturally kind of govern you know, sin or darkness hides in the dark, right? And so when there's a light, you're not able to do whatever you want to do. It exposes things for what they truly are. But when it's dark and nobody can really see what's going on, it's a lot easier to hide, right? It's a lot easier to hide because it feels like you can get away with it. Jesus is the light for our souls. And scripture makes it very clear that our souls are dark indeed, Matter of fact, sin stains our souls left and right. And if we don't come into the light and let Jesus expose that, it'll hide and fester and boil over. Jesus says, I am the light that can enter in that. Who wants to live with darkness in their souls? That void that you feel sometimes, that pressure that you feel, that darkness even that you feel, that may even be how you describe it as darkness sometimes. Jesus says, I'm the light that can rid that. 
I'm the light that can shine into that darkness and bring marvelous light, right? Like if it was pitch black, okay, and think about it from this way. Um, if you don't have light in your heart, how could you, uh, from a spiritual perspective, even know what is right and true? Think about that, okay? Like if I gave you an object that you had never seen before and it was pitch black, and I said, what is this object? You could feel around, right? You can kind of play with it because you still have other senses. But if you couldn't see it, you would have no idea what that object was. Maybe, 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 one in a million, you would guess and somehow get it right. But for the most part, you would need light to expose what that object actually is. Jesus says, I came to give you salvation. I came to give you eternal life. But if that light doesn't turn on, it's so hard from a spiritual nature to grasp what he's even talking about. Jesus says, let me into your life. Let me shine into your hearts. Let me show you how to exit out of slavery into the promised land, into eternal life. Jesus is the light for our souls. Once he comes into our lives, he sheds light on everything and everything becomes pretty obvious, right? Even from a spiritual nature, as he shines more and more and more, things become more and more obvious. He shows us more and more about who he is, about the true nature of eternal life, the only thing that will actually last forever. Jesus is the light of life. He reveals who God is. He reveals what our soul needs. He reveals how to have joy or peace, or he reveals how to release our burdens. And we can go on and on and on and on. Jesus reveals the true things that we desire, okay? Now, I want to finish here by pointing out this one text, uh, verse 17 through 20. I'm actually going to read this again. So go ahead and look at it. Verse 17 through 20. In your law... Underline your, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. Underline that, circle that. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour has not yet come. Whose law? Whose law? Your law, right? Jesus says, in your law, you say this about me. So they're not even really using God's word appropriately here. They're actually using it to try to justify their own convictions. Don't miss this, okay? Because we do the exact same thing, don't we? Try to use God's word to justify our own convictions, you know, Jesus will come and try to shine light into our hearts. And then we're like, ah, I don't really know if I like that. And we'll try to literally finagle our way around that conviction through God's word even. And Jesus says, your law, your law, what you're creating in your own heart is actually stopping you from entering into the fullest of relationships with me. Your law is preventing that deep, that intimate, that true access you're allowing something to block, right? So we try to use the Bible to, to justify our own wants, our own desires, right? And what we do when we do this, we turn God's law into our law and we completely misuse it. So Jesus, once again, uh, emphasizes that. What he also emphasizes here though, is after he says, hey, look, this is what's blocking you. Now let me show you what life is. He emphasizes that the father bears witness about him. And so they ask Jesus, well, who is your father? Who is this, right? Now, these Jews knew Jesus, and, and they actually assumed earlier, if you remember, that Joseph was his father, right? He, they assumed his earthly father, Joseph, was his father. But uh, they asked Jesus where his father is anyway, or who he is even. And Jesus tells them that they don't actually know the father. Why? 
Why is it that they don't actually know the Father? Because they don't know Jesus. And this is a really convicting text. Okay? They don't know the Father because they don't know Jesus. What Jesus is saying is that it's actually impossible to know God without knowing Christ. It's impossible to know God the Father or the God of the universe without actually knowing Jesus as the, 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 the in-between between us and God, the revealer of us and God. And so many people think they know God, but without a true understanding of who Christ is, there is no knowledge of the Father. Why? Why does Jesus make such a strong claim? And the rest of Scripture makes this claim too. If you don't know God, then, or, 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 or you don't know God if you don't know Christ. Why is that? Because Jesus is the exact imprint of God, Colossians tells us. And he is the one who actually exegeted or explained or revealed the Father to us. Jesus is the one who was revealing God the Father to us. He showed us what it was like to be God because he himself was God. Jesus is trying to reveal the Father to us. He is the one that puts on flesh and dwells amongst us and shows us who the Father is. He shows us what it means to know God the Father. Many people want to know God, and that's a very good thing. We should want to know God. We should feel that, earn, that, that, that yearning in our souls to know there's something more out here. But without knowing Christ, it's actually impossible to know God. Jesus is the barrier or the, or the, the bridge, I should say, in between us and God. To know God the Father, you have to know Jesus, right? And like the Pharisees, many people reject this offer from Christ. They try to push Christ away, not realizing in doing that, they're pushing God away. Why? Because Jesus is God and reveals God to us. He's the one that shows us, right? Which, by the way, think about this, and we've said this multiple times, but I need you to hear this because many people, even if you've been walking with Christ for 15 years, have a hard time believing this. God wants to be known by you. God wants you to know who he is, right? That's why he sent his son in the first place so that you can actually know God the Father. How beautiful of a message is this? Because what we often think of God is, is as a distant, kind of out there, arms folded, you better be a good boy or girl or else you're not going to get to meet God. That's how we view him frequently. And when we sin or when we mess up, then we think that, you know, we're on his naughty list and we can't kind of go to God the Father. Jesus reveals the exact opposite. Jesus says, I come to light up how you can get to know the Father. I've come to show who he is to you, to reveal that this is how you get to God the Father, right? Jesus is that. Why? Because God sent him, because God wants you to know him. How beautiful of a truth is this? God wants you. Think about that. With all your brokenness and with all your failures and with all your mess-ups and your hang-ups and your mishaps, God wants you in a relationship with him. He proves this by sending his son to die on the cross so that we can have access to God. This is the beauty of the gospel that God wants to be known by you. He invites your heart to enter into light so that you may know who he is, to enter into life. That is such a beautiful, beautiful news. And Jesus hints at that in verse 18 there. Right? He hints at that. God wants to be known and therefore bears witness. Je or God said when Jesus was baptized, this is my beloved son. Right? Before Jesus did an ounce of ministry, by the way, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because he wants the world to know that Jesus is true, that Jesus is actually his son, that Jesus is in fact the exact representation of God. If you want to know what God the Father is like, look at Jesus because he reveals him in perfection. If you want to know what Jesus is like, look at the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what God is like, look at the Holy Spirit. They bear image about themselves. They show us who God is collectively because they are God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit revealing to us who he is, right? God wants to be found by you and wants you to know him. And so Christians, this is why it's important for you to be preachers of the word of God around you. 
This is why it's so important to do that. You have the light of life living inside of you. Hello, right? You have the light of life living, dwelling inside of you. How crazy is that? Deeper than even your, this, the flesh on your body is the light of life dwelling inside of you. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit has entered into your heart, revealed who God is. You have light living inside of you. And as God is revealed more and more and more in your heart, you can begin to understand more and more about who God is and let that light shine brighter to the world around. Amen? This is a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. The God of the universe dwells inside of you and is revealing more and more of who he is, giving you more and more life. And guess what? Just as God wanted you to know him, he wants the world around to know him too. If you're reading in the Exodus passage in our Bible in a year stuff right now, you'll realize that God so frequently is doing things, not just for the Israelites, but he says that the world may know my name. He says that the Egyptians would believe in me. And we see when they leave, I just read this on Friday, right? When they leave the Exodus, it says the Jews and a multitude of others left with them. Why? Because they believed in Yahweh. They believed in God. And they recognized that, right? God wants the world to come to know him. And so uh, go over real quick to Matthew chapter 5. We're almost finished here. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, pick it up in verse 14. You are what? What does that say? The light of the world. What did Jesus just say he was? Huh. When Jesus dwells inside of you, you literally begin to imitate him. You are becoming a son of God, a daughter of God yourselves. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your, God, or to your Father who is in heaven. Christians, friends, you have the light of life shining inside of you. Be glorious to the world around. Do you take a light and put it under the bed? When I'm walking around in the darkness and I like can't see, you ever walk like that when you can't see, so you know, bust your face, you know? So I'm walking like that in my room. Do I take my cell phone, turn it on, and then put it in my pocket? That's foolish, right? Nobody does that. I hold it out in front of me so I don't bust my face or break my ankle on Micaiah's toys, right? He says, you don't light a light and then hide it. Jesus has lit a light inside of your heart. If you are a Christian, don't hide that. Don't hide that. God wants the whole world to know who he is. And he wants to use you as part of that process. That's also very beautiful. As aggressively as he sought your heart, so he is seeking everybody's heart to come to know who he is. And we get to be witnesses with him in that. The light of Christ is now dwelling inside of us. Part of our joy and our job is to help the world see this light so they too can have life. So they too can have life. Be brave, be courageous when sharing the gospel, right? Once we see this light, it should compel us out of joy actually to share this with others. Once we realize how beautiful of a message this is in our own heart, out of, out, of, out of a compelling spirit almost, we need to go share that with others, right? To bring into life as many people as possible. And listen, if you're in here today because a friend invited you, because I know that happens frequently, right? You should feel very honored they would take that risk to invite you because they know how easy it is to be mocked or to be persecuted or to be made fun of because of their faith, okay? Yet they wanted you to experience what they believe lit up their souls. They wanted you to experience it. That means that they love you very deeply, okay? So if you got invited in here saying it may sound kind of weird, like go reach out to the world. We really believe that Jesus is light. 
And they did that so much that they put their own reputation on the line in hopes that you would feel that. They love you. And even if you don't believe it, you should thank them for stepping out there like that, right? Because they want you to know him. This is a beautiful thing. At the end of the day, Jesus is a light that lights up our souls. And so if you've never received this light, I would actually ask you just to consider receiving that today. Jesus says, by belief in him, by having faith in him, by trusting in his finished work on the cross, you can enter into a relationship with God out of the darkness of this world, out of the slavery of Egypt, right? Into the promised land, into eternal life. Jesus is the person who does that for you. Ask him to shine into your darkness and make himself known, right? Some of you are like the Pharisees in verses 25 through 30 there in John in John chapter, and you keep asking for more and more evidence. He's given it to you though. Trust him, follow him. He's the light of life, right? For some of you, you have believed in this light. He has shine in your heart in the past, but for some reason you went back into the darkness of the cave, <laughs> right? You went right back into where you can't see and you're busting up your face and you feel it. It hurts, right? Enter back into the light. Walk back into the beauty of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Not religious moralism or duty, but into a true relationship, into true love with Jesus. Through that, you'll want to do the right things because you'll see how beautiful he is, right? Come back to Christ. Worship him. Love him. Read the word to see him. Not just to read the Bible, but to see Jesus. Pray, not just to do the right thing, but to talk to the God of the universe, Right? Don't go back into the cave where the darkness was. And for some of us, we should pray and ask God that we will be bold with our light. Right? That's what really convicted me this week. That's what I was working through and working through and trying to figure out what is God trying to do. And I felt like that's where it was right there. That he wants us, those who do believe in Christ, to be bold with your light. To shine it into the world around us to expose the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of God the Father, what it actually means to know him. There's such beauty in the gospel. And some of us, we need to ask and we need to even repent over our, our fear and over the things that, that hold us in slavery and say, no, Jesus wants the world to know him. Jesus wants everybody to know who he is. And he's asked us, he's commanded us, he's charged us, he compels us with his love to make his name known to others. And so we should do that out of a desire, out of a love for Christ, right? That all would experience the beauty of Jesus. Jesus is the light of life and to know him is to taste the rays of light. To know him is to taste it. One day, this world will pass away and scripture says that in heaven, there will be no more sun. That's our, that's our light, right? That's what shows us during the daytime, there'll be no more sun. Why? It says because Jesus' Shekinah glory, his glory will be the light that lights up heaven, <laughs> You know how it feels good to bask in the sun's rays sometimes? You know, one day you'll be basking in Jesus. I don't know what that, like, that thought, like, blows my mind apart, right? Jesus is the light of life, both now for our hearts and in eternity. Why is that? Because Jesus, remember, is the light of all of heaven, yet he stripped away that light, walked into the darkness of the world. Why? So that in darkness that we are, we can go into that light. It's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus, who was light, became dark and sin so that we who are dark and filled with sin can become the light of life, can enter into eternity with him. Jesus is so beautiful and we'll get to literally be in heaven basking in his glory. Oh, that all of you would experience that. I look forward to that day out of this desert into the promised land. Let's pray. God, I thank you.
You are beautiful. Jesus, you are the light of life. Help our souls to believe that. Help our souls to experience that. Help us to feel that, God. God, help us to exit out of the darkness that enchains us and that, that slaves us, that captivates us, God, and help us actually enter into the marvelous light, God. I think about the verse in Peter that says we are a, 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 a royal race, a, a holy priesthood. It says, in, out of the darkness into his marvelous light. How beautiful is that? God, let us walk in you, Jesus. Thank you for stripping away your light, putting on this nasty flesh, God, that clings to us ever so desperately and for living a perfect life, for being light even while you were here and then going and dying the darkest death that's ever been. You defeated darkness though, Jesus. Hallelujah, we thank you for that, Christ. You defeated darkness, And through that defeat, through you getting up through the grave, through our belief in you, we can now defeat that same darkness and enter into light. God, would you remind us of that? Would you help us to walk in that? Would you help us to kill the sin that so easily clings to us so that we can experience more and more of that light? I pray these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.